0: Rourke was worried. Before his desk phone was back in its cradle, he was out of his seat, grabbing for the suit coat neatly hung on the real mahogany stand in the corner of his office in the federal building. It was Special Agent Greer's fifth month of undercover with the criminal organization known as O'Gromney, and in all that time under, Greer had never used the failsafe signal. A phone dialed to a dedicated number with no message left. Code to request a face-to-face meeting. Greer didn't ask for meetings. He delivered his reports on time through approved channels and never deviated from procedure. Until today. Rourke shrugged his coat on over tightly muscled shoulders as he strode down gleaming hallways, walls lined with the history of the Bureau. He hurried out of the elevator on the first floor and past the reception desk, framed by a wide pane of bulletproof glass. The clocks on the wall behind it each read a different time zone. Washington. Tokyo, Paris, London, Beijing. The sweep of multiple second hands started a new churning in Rourke's gut. Something's wrong. Something's happened. He exited the monolithic federal building at a clip and braced himself against the dazzle of sunlight before starting quickly down the sidewalk of Golden Gate Avenue toward the Tenderloin. He had to force himself not to run, which would draw attention he didn't want, but he was too agitated to find a cab. He'd get to the rendezvous in plenty of time on foot, and he didn't want to wait around in the cafe once he got there. The walk would give him time to clear his mind, burn off some of the anxiety. A horn blasted in Rourke's ear, startling him back to the present. He'd almost stepped straight into traffic on the busy street. He lifted a hand in apology to the car that had just missed him, then breathed in and waited five more seconds for the light and sped through the crosswalk toward the appointed meeting place. It was a Pete's Coffee, perched halfway down the block of a steep incline, one of those streets that give San Franciscans some of the most toned asses and thighs in the continental U.S. Rourke slowed his pace slightly to cushion the shin-jarring descent. The meeting was arranged to look like a chance encounter, two random businessmen in suits bumping elbows at the counter. Rourke started to turn into the cafe when something made him turn his head. And he saw Greer on the sidewalk across the street, about to cross mid block. The men did not acknowledge each other in any way. That was not the plan. But Rourke felt a tidal wave of relief seeing him. Safe, he thought, and thanked whatever God was out there. He would have turned away then to go inside as per the prearranged drill get in line, order, take his coffee to the condiment station, and let Greer step up to him. But Rourke didn't turn away because that was when he saw her, standing on the sidewalk, just a bit behind Greer. She was medium height, tall in boots, and slim, with long, lithe muscles like a cat. This Rourke could see because her arms were bare, even in the brisk air. She wore a form-fitting black top with a turtleneck. There was something fetishy in the combination of bare arms and high neck that was arresting, but so was everything about her her past-the-shoulder blonde hair and black sunglasses, the way she stood in tight black pants and boots. The city was full of striking women. That was not what drew him. It was the stillness of her, maybe a fraction too still. And she was looking back at Rourke, looking across the street as if she knew him. And for that weird second he felt that he knew her too. He would remember every detail of that moment for a long, long time. The sun on her hair, the stretch black of her turtleneck and the taut muscles of her arms, the gleam of chrome on the truck, the violent purple irises in the flower stand behind Greer, the smell of exhaust and coffee. Rourke was still looking at the street, at her, when the truck rumbled by, a huge semi which momentarily obscured his view of the woman in black. And then there was the screeching of worn brakes straining against the downward plunge of the hill, and Rourke turned just in time to hear a sickening thud and see blood exploding over the truck's front grill and a man's body flying. And then there was screaming, one scream on top of another, and male shouting, a building wave of panic. And then the woman was gone, and the sidewalk was crowded with people turning away or shrieking in horror. And through the chaos and the screaming, Rourke realized he had just watched his agent obliterated by a 17-ton commercial truck.